and welcome again to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I am one of the pastors at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, and I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Mike Toomey. Mike, welcome. It is good to be here. Yeah, we're continuing this journey through Exodus, and certainly Moses and the Israelites are on a journey, and today they come across some uh, tough water, and they find a way across. Mike, have you ever found yourself looking out at tough water that needed crossing? Uh, many times, many times. I love to fish. I, I remember as a child being up on Lake Winnipeg in a great big big squall of a storm, and I would love to tell people more of that story, but um, it involves naughty words. Um, <laughs> and anyway, we, we got we got across the uh, with that one, but the, I think one of the most, looking back on it, one of the most hilarious was, it was actually this time of year, and uh, a former pastor here at, at Hope, Pastor Chuck and I, we were out ice fishing. And we were on this little lake in North Dakota called Morton Pond. It's a man-made lake. <clears throat> it's got trout in it. it it's, it's one of those fun things. We, we knew that the trout were biting. And so we got down on there, and it's, again, April. And so all the snow is gone, but the, the ice seemed solid enough. And we got out there, and we were fishing. And as the day warmed up and the sun beat down, all of a sudden the water started to melt the ice. And there was about two to three inches of water between now now on top of the, the ice. And and the wind was picking up like a, any good April day would. And we got out of this ice shelter, and it had a plastic sled bottom on it. And the time that we lifted our weight off, the shelter took off. Oh, no. Yeah. And I grabbed on, and it kept going, and, and Chuck grabbed on, and it kept going. And so I thought, well, I'll just sit inside, and hopefully my weight will create enough friction and will stop. And it didn't. And so I'm sitting down in a chair as we're flying along Morton Pond at about 15 miles an hour. Chuck's water skiing off the back of this rooster tail's coming off the back of his boots. And we're going, and, and we're whooping and hollering all the way across. And, and then we realize we're going to hit shore. <laughs> And um, I, I was a little afraid that, you know, there's rocks, you know, what's this going to look like when we hit shore? So I actually bailed out of the fish house. I'm all wet from the water. And I, I, I said this prayer. I said, Lord, can you make Chuck fall too? And and, and he did. And, and, and he's all wet. And I mean, we were just laughing at the end of this. Uh, you know, we had just seen death and had escaped it a little bit. And that, that's the rough water. And you still ice fish? I still ice fish, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I still ice fish. So, Well, when you spend any time on water, you, you're bound to experience some rough waters, too. You are, yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, those little ice shelters can be like a sail. So you were you, sailboat riding, but... On, on the ice. On the ice. <laughs> on the ice and the water. It was, it was a fantastic excursion. Well, I doubt that... Moses ever ice fished or that he encountered I don't know that he ever encountered ice on water but uh, he certainly encountered water and the Israelites did as well and so we're gonna we're gonna hear that story in just a moment we're gonna read from Exodus 13 starting at verse 17 all the way through chapter 14 to hear about God's continued deliverance for the people of Israel and just as we do this, we've been doing this every time that we read Scripture. Uh, 
what we're going to do afterwards is we're just going to take a moment to pause and, and say, what, what kind of things did we notice in the text? Are there words? Are there phrases? Are there things that stand out? And I think that, for me, has been a, a really good practice for reading Scripture because it slows me down and it gets me a little bit deeper into the text. And so, folks following along at home, feel free to do that, or in the car, wherever you are, feel free as you're listening to, to think about those things. What stands out to you? What, what words, phrases, and, and what questions come up as you hear these words read? So this is from Exodus 13, beginning with the 17th verse from the NIV. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Heroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the kings of Egypt, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with them. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Heroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. 
stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went out behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians laying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. They should make a movie out of this. (laughs) They should. They should, yes. It's a visual that you want to see. You do. It gets painted very well in here. You think of the walls of water on each side, but to, to see that, yes, that would be amazing. If only they had made one. If only they had made a movie. <laughs> of course, now they could probably make it even more. They, they, they probably could. More exciting. So what sticks out to you when you hear, when you, what are some of the things that poke at your imagination? There are so many things um, within this particular text. I, I think one of those 
major themes that's coming up here is this. It is God. It is God who is doing the delivering. It's God who is doing the fighting. That is one of the most, I, I think, one of the major themes that we need to take out of this particular text, and it is God, God's hand that's doing the delivering. Um, there's another theme here, and, we, you know, it's the theme of harden. Um, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Um, we, I think you and um, Pastor Paul talked about that last week, where it happens during the plagues as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that theme continues here, that Pharaoh's heart is hardened. What's the purpose of that? Mm. Um, I think those are two of our major themes that's coming up. I think one that um, pops up again and reminds me is this is perhaps the beginning of the murmuring tradition in the wilderness. Mm. Um, The murmuring tradition is this thing where um, the Israelites complain. (laughs) And they give a great complaint here. Um, and so that's another thing that's going to come up. And, and you're going to read about that again and again and again. In fact, within um, the context of when we read this for our Bible study, or in-person deeply rooted Bible study, um, we see this twice um, within the within chapters um, 13, 14, and 15. Um, here in our reading, we hear about it once, uh, but it, that's the first time out in the wilderness we, we have the murmuring tradition happen. You know, every time I think about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and complaining, I I kind of realized that I'd probably be one of them. Right. <clears throat> the food isn't great out here, and the sun is hot. and Their complaints start with all sorts of legitimacy. But it gets to the point where their complaining goes, we just want to go back to, we just want to go back to Egypt. Yeah. And, and I don't think God really appreciates that real well. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that he does. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things, as I was reading, uh, Joseph caught my eye. Mm-hmm. We heard about Joseph at the very beginning right. of Exodus mm-hmm. when we, we heard that, that a new pharaoh arose who, who didn't know who Joseph was. And oftentimes throughout Exodus, we hear God speaking, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We don't hear about Joseph. And here Joseph comes back. And I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. But uh, we're tied back into the story of Joseph there when, when they bring Joseph's bones out of Egypt. I think one of the things that I read um, in regards to that was this is a completion of God's, God saving his people from when they first fled famine. Mm. So this is a completion. So it's hearkening back to that Hark- Genesis story. Harkens all the way back to the fact that, you know, through Joseph, God saved his people from famine, now God is completing the act. This is a bookend. I brought him into Egypt. Now I'm bringing him mm. out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And not just him, but everybody. And it goes along with, I mean, the Israelites are constantly wondering, is God going to finish what he started? And yeah. He, yes. <laughs> and they're wondering right there in the desert. Yes. Um, we, we get to that point of there they are in the desert. Um, they're being chased by Pharaoh. And all of his army has 600 chariots. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? You know, wouldn't it have just been better for us to be be, 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 be back in Egypt than to die in the desert? Mm. 
I appreciate what Moses says at that point. Uh, you know, on one hand, the scripture says that they were prepared for battle earlier yeah. on, but they're they're not emotionally prepared. They're they're not ready to fight. They are scared, and um, and probably outmatched, outmatched on their own. So, if you think about what are the weapons that Pharaoh is bringing in here, right? He's bringing in um, six hundred chariots. He's probably bringing in a very well trained, well, a very well trained army. Um, it might be helpful to think about Egypt as a superpower. Mm. Um, Pharaoh has the army. They might have lots of numbers, but they don't have the equipment or the training for that matter. Moses' battle plan is simply this. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you this day. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So that's sort of counterintuitive in some ways mm-hmm. because they're thinking here we need to stand up and fight. And they don't want to do that. They want to just go back. Uh, but so, who? yeah, who is the one who acts and what does God require of those Israelites in order for them to be delivered? God just, God through, through Moses here is saying, be still. And that be still... Um, again, from something that I did read, has something to do with the tongue. Right? Be still. Just be quiet. If you are on a road trip with your kids, if you're a parent, you, you understand this. There are some times <laughs> when you just like, be still, right? Be quiet. It's, it's kind of like this, right? Just be quiet. Trust me. We're going to get there. And so, so much of this is just trusting God and his provision and his deliverance in this process. Um, and it is indeed the Lord that does the fighting. Now, the how does God do the fighting? God, God, God uses God's weapons are are not that that the Israelites bring into the desert, but the weapons that God brings into the desert are the elemental creation forces: mm. wind, water, darkness, light, fire, smoke. Yeah. God uses the elements of creation to fight the Egyptians. Um, it's as if the Egyptians are anti-creation, and God is creating something and bringing a new. He's already. This is not a new people. This is an old people. This is His covenant that He gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this is something new that's happening. It's a deliverance from slavery into freedom it is there is something new happening god is creating um, something here and so god's using the create the creation forces to do that so god hardens the heart of the egyptians and pharaoh and the idea is that he will gain glory through pharaoh and his army the word for harden and glory in hebrew from my understanding is this that they are connected by the root word Through the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, God is brought glory. That's going to help the Israelites in the future. Um, we'll see that a little later on when, um, when they understand that the Lord fights for them. The interesting thing that happens in the process of the crossing of the sea and crossing of the waters when God is closing up the waters and Moses is kind of moving his hands so that the, the waters come back over, 
who are the first people to give glory to God? If we go all the way in, in verse 14 or chapter 14 and we go to verse 25, the people who give God glory first are the Egyptians. Mm. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. So they they finally come to realize who this God is. This is an existential moment for the Egyptians, and that's their last with their last breath, they speak this truth. The Lord is fighting for them. That theme is going to help the Israelite people through their entire journey to understand that it is God and his provision that's going to continue to deliver them from everything going on. We're going to see the good things that comes out. You know, if you, as hopefully as people get a chance, they read chapter fifteen after this. Um, uh, um, this is basically a, a time when Moses begins to sing and give God thanks and praise, and, and later on, um, <clears throat> when when the when this song is sung and people. Not just um, not just Israel, not just the Egyptians, but all the Canaanites and all the people that they're going to encounter understand that it's God that's fighting for them. It's going to put fear in the hearts of the people that they're going to face later on. The Philistines, the Canaanites, Edomites. You know, I'm always amazed at how the living word of God speaks and I think about God's provision for the Israelites, and I think about how God acts on their behalf. In spite of their fault failures, God continues to be faithful to what he says he will do. And I just love this verse, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm -hmm. And I think about my own life, and those are words that I need to hear that God is acting on my behalf, I need to be still and realize that. Yep. Yeah. These words are not just describing an historical event. They are telling a story for all ages, of all times. It's telling us a story that this is what God is doing. Way back in chapter 13, um, before we were reading, it's really talking about Passover. And, and God was trying to remind the people to, to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the, the, um, the Passover of the angel of death, um, so that it becomes a part of their story. It becomes um, a, a reality for all the generations of Israelites, so that they remember that God brings us from a place of slavery into a place of freedom. You know, we're, we're talking about this during Holy Week, and um, whenever the listener gets a chance to listen to this, um, you know, in our minds is Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. We're clearly remembering and looking at this through a, a lens as, as Christ followers, where God brings us from slavery into freedom. And God gives us a meal to remember the night in which he's betrayed, to remember Jesus' life, death, and his resurrection, to remember that we have 
right here, right now, the forgiveness of sins is the resurrection of the body and life everlasting, and that we have a future filled with hope and life that is yet to come. We have a God who's acting right here in the midst of everything we, we've done. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. As you mentioned that, it reminds me of a story early on in, in my professional ministry. And I was visiting with a little gal, um, and I, I do mean this little gal. She was um, a giant in faith and very diminutive in stature. And I was visiting with her and another uh, one of her good close friends. And these ladies had seen it all. Mm. And one of them was talking about her cancer journey. And she said, you know, I was so frightened when I was first diagnosed with cancer. And um, but God spoke to me through the Psalms. And what were the words? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. She, she understood that whatever may come, God was fighting for. And whether she got to live for another 6, 10, 12, 20 years, God was going to fight for her. Or whether she had her best hope was waiting for the resurrection, God was fighting for her. And when God fights for us, we win. Yeah. It's an important command to be still for us, especially in this world that we live in that's moving so quickly all the time around us, I think one of the important practices of of being a person of faith is is finding ways in your day to be still, and hopefully scripture and prayer are, are part of that stillness. Um, changing gears just a little bit, where does this happen? Do we know? Do we? Yeah. Where does this happen? We want to put an X on a map somewhere. So in my understanding, um, most of you, as you've been reading um, along, if you've had a, a, a physical copy of the scripture with you, you probably noticed that there was a more than likely a footnote or a, a little thing that, that says, um, well, when we first read the Red Sea, and there might be a footnote in mine that says this, the Sea of Reeds. So where does this take place? Well, likely we're talking on the north end of the, the Red Sea, maybe even a little f further north of what we would actually consider the Red Sea today. But I don't think that's really what we're talking about. The, the idea here when, when it reads, um, when, it, when the scripture reads the Sea of Reeds or the, or, or the Red Sea, or, and, and what they, they probably meant here is this. Let's go back to Moses' name. Let's just think about Moses' story. Moses' name means to be drawn out. And he literally was drawn out of the Nile River in what? A basket made of reeds. It was a prophecy of what is to come here at the sea, where God would once more deliver not just Moses, but all of Israel through the water, through the Sea of Reeds. Um, and bring them from a place of certain death into a place of fulfilled promise. So again, another bookend of just as we saw that bookend with Joseph, God completing what he had begun here with Moses, God is completing this deliverance from Egypt. And, and there it is, 
now we have closed the 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 book on on that particular on Egypt moment, on Egypt. Yep. Yep. There's uh, more deliverance to come. Much more. And we'll continue to to sort through that how God delivers from from all sorts of other things as we journey through scripture, but for now the Israelites are out of Egypt. God has made good on his promise. And so we'll pick this up again next week and we will continue uh, our journey through Exodus. All right. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for, for being with us today. And, and folks, I want to invite you to just uh, join us again next week. I invite you to, to like, uh, to subscribe, to follow, and to share this podcast with, with someone that you know uh, who needs to hear and who, who needs to be drawn into God's story of redemption for this world. We'll see you again. Remember to stay deeply rooted.